0: Welcome and thank you for listening to Sandy Creek Stirrings. I'm your host, Joshua Jimenez. And if you're going to win souls, you've got to love souls. In spite of their meanness, in spite of the way they look, in spite of everything, you've got to seek to bring souls to Jesus Christ because you love them, because Jesus loved them, and because Jesus died for them, and you're trying to bring them to the Son of God. The Bible says in Psalm 84 11, my last verse, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I've based my whole life on that, that it pays to serve God. And I believe that with all my heart. God has given us a guidebook. God has given us a directional map. And that guidebook, that map, is the precious Word of God. Listen, don't just go and sit in the pew. Find some way to serve, and serve as a family. Be a part of everything at church, and when you learn to love what God loves, um, your children will learn to love it as well. Homes are not that spiritually strong. We're getting overtaken by the world quickly, but unfortunately, we're pumping all the sewage in. You know, we're letting the world in when that ought to be a haven. Have you ever been in trouble before? As a kid, my, my teeth were some of those ones that they just, they hung in with everything they had. They would not come out. You could pull on them, you could push them, you could do, but they just would not come out. I remember one particular time I had a tooth, a baby tooth that just would not come out. Dad was a former dentist, you know, he's trying all his tricks to get it out. It just would not come out. And finally he said, you know, we just need to go to a dentist. And so we happened to be driving through. This is while we were on the road full time. And um, we were driving through a, and uh, pulled up to a like a little shopping plaza. And there on the corner was a, a dentist at the corner of the shopping plaza. And so Dad said, well, I'm going to take Josh over there to the dentist, see if we can get this tooth pulled. Yay. And um, my mom and sisters were going to go over into that store called Tuesday Morning, I believe it was called. So we each split off in two directions, me and my dad headed towards the dentist, and mom and the girls headed over toward Tuesday morning, I wanted everything in my heart to go with them and not go to the dentist, I I just don't like dentists, you know, they're the only people who do open surgery, and they don't put you to sleep, and um, so that's just the way I view it, And um, but anyway, so me and dad walk over to the dentist, and so he walks up to the a nurse there, the lady at the front, whatever you call them at the dental, dental office. And he said, hello, um, I need to see about my son about pulling a tooth. And she looked over and, and dad looked back and I was gone. And you see, when he had entered the dental office, I entered with him, then turned around and walked right back out and ran down the sidewalk up into Tuesday morning and ran down the aisle and I saw mom and the girls. So I just kind of stood beside them and mom said, what are you doing? And I didn't say anything, because I heard Dad coming. And um, have you ever been in trouble before? Trust me, in that situation, I knew I was in trouble, and I was in big trouble. Today, we're going to talk about trouble, not the master, or you're not troubling the master. You know, in Luke chapter 8, verses 41 through 50, we have the story of Jairus. Jairus, the Bible says in verse 41 of Luke chapter 8, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. Jairus faced a trouble. He was in trouble, but not in trouble with his parents. He was going through a troubling time. His daughter was dying. Can you imagine? I've never had um, one of my daughters be on their deathbed. I've never had that happen. So, I can only imagine the sick feeling he must have had, the worry, the fear, the sleepless nights. For Jairus, it was a dying daughter. For some, it's a, a wayward child. For you, listener today, maybe it's cancer that has riddled your body. Maybe it's the loss of a job. Maybe it's uh, foreclosure looming on the house. I don't know what troubling time you're going through. But if there was one man who did, I know for a fact Jairus could look at you if he were standing here now and able to see you, he would say, you know what, I, I know what it feels like to go through a hard time. He knew the sick feeling. He knew the worry. He knew the fear. He knew the sleepless nights. He knew just that feeling of, there's nothing I can do. A a hopelessness almost, feeling like you're just not able to do anything about it. And so here's Jairus. His daughter's dying, and he decided he could not wait. He had to go get God. You see that in verse 41 where he goes and he he falls down at Jesus' feet and besought Jesus that he would come into his house. Let me tell you something, parents. If I can just step away from the topic for just a second. If you have a child that is sick and dying, let's put it on a spiritual level for a second. They're dying spiritually. Can I tell you something? Get off the TV. Get your nose out of whatever novel you're reading. Put down the phone and go get God. I don't know what's up with parents who their children are dying spiritually and they do nothing about it. They do nothing about it. Parent, go get God. Get on your knees, start spending some time with your start spending some time with your heavenly father and go get God. You've got a problem? Go get God. Someone, go get God. Then Jairus finally decided that's exactly what he needed to do. On the way, Jesus is, as Jesus responds to Jairus, which we see in verse number 42, for he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying, but as he went, the people thronged him. So Jesus decides he's going to go with Jairus back to his home, and he's going to see what he can do about the situation, and as Jesus is continuing, a woman touches the hem of his garment. The Bible says in verse number 43, and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians. Interesting enough how Luke, who was the physician, right? Luke was a doctor. Interesting how he knew how long she had been sick and how she had spent all her money on physicians. Isn't that just interesting? Neither could be healed of any. Came behind him, verse 44, and touched the border of his, referring to Jesus, his garment. And immediately her issue of blood staunched. And Jesus said, who touched me? And when all had denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee. And sayest thou, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole." go in peace. And so as Jesus is is going along with Jairus, he he, he, to a troubling time. This lady who has been in her own troubling time for twelve years, she has she has a she is she's sick with an issue of blood. And she's sick and she's had this sickness for twelve years. She spent all her money on doctors. Nobody's been able to help her. And so here she comes along and she has faith that she says to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. I know I'd be healed. And so, as this crowd is just kind of pressing and pushing together as they move along these tiny little streets of of Israel, she reaches up and she touches the hem of his garment. And Jesus instantly knew that someone had touched him. The Bible says he he said to his disciples, he said. He said that, I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. That word virtue literally means uh, power to heal. Aren't you thankful, though, that Jesus had the power to heal anybody, and he never runs out of the power? It's not like a, a spice bottle to where when you dump the last of the spice, it's all gone. and Oh, we can't spice it up with chili powder anymore. Jesus' power wasn't that way. It wasn't a shaker bottle. He was filled with it. You could never take it all from him. He never runs out of the power to heal. And I believe he wanted to make a statement about the faith that this woman had. And once this whole situation is done with this lady, they're about to continue back, and we find in verse number 49, While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house. Of course, this would be identified in verse number 41 as Jairus. He was a ruler of the synagogue. So as one of Jairus' servants come to him, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, she shall be made whole. So as this situation with this lady is finishing up, a servant comes with the most horrendous news for Jairus. His daughter's dead. The servant comes, and can you hear the words as they come off a trembling lip? Your daughter's dead. Just just a little bit ago, she just passed away. And then the servant adds the phrase, trouble not the master. Can I just say to you, can I just kind of jump to the end of the story, give give you the spoiler alert? Here's a spoiler. This was no trouble to the master who had the answer on the way. And Jesus looks at Jairus. Can you just see, as soon as that servant, Jesus is speaking about this woman, the servant, while Jesus is speaking, the servant pulls Jairus aside and says, hey, your daughter's dead, trouble not the master. I can see Jesus' head just kind of swivel. Just his whole body just swivels around, and he looks at this servant, and his eyes go to Jairus, and he says, fear not. Fear not. Those were words of consolation. Jesus genuinely cared for Jairus. He genuinely cared for his trouble. They were words of consolation. Hey, it's okay. I've got this under control. Fear not. They were words of confirmation. Jesus was letting Jairus know, no, you did right. You did right. Don't fear that you're troubling me. You did right. You did right coming to me. Don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. You did the right thing. Because can you imagine as Jairus is thinking, I could have been with my daughter. I could have held her hand as she died. Jesus was words of confirmation, fear not, you're okay, you did the right thing. Then he gave him words of, I believe, correction to the servant. Jesus was correcting the servant, hey, fear not. Jairus, don't listen to him. Everything's going to be okay. Fear not, only believe. Fear not, they were words of correction. Can I tell you some things in this story that did not trouble the master? Number one, I find that the man, Jairus, he didn't trouble the master the man did not trouble the master. It didn't matter if Jairus was rich Or if he was poor. It didn't matter if he was old or if he was young. It didn't matter if he grew up in the ghetto or if he grew up in the nicest part of town. It didn't matter. Jesus was no respecter of persons. Jesus came to seek and to save anyone and everyone. Let me tell you something the man Jairus did not trouble the master. And I don't know what troubling time you are going through, and I don't know what trouble you are in, and what you're dealing with, and what you're facing, and what you're unsure of, but can I just tell you this? You don't trouble the master. You may think, well, you know, I, I, I don't belong here, or I don't deserve this, or, you know, I don't know why Jesus would love me. Jesus does love you, your condition, what you're going through. You as a person don't trouble the master. You say, well, I failed him so many times. You don't trouble the master. How many times How many times do we not go to the Master because we worry too much about who we are and what we've done? Well, I've done this in my life, so I just can't go to God. No, my friend, you don't trouble the Master. Well, you don't understand, Josh, I've done some pretty bad things in my life. I've been to prison before for some of the things I've done. Hey, you don't trouble the Master. You say, well, I've done some pretty horrible things. I've faced the charges on this, I've stood before judges on this. Can I tell you something? You don't trouble the Master. I don't care if you're a guy. I don't care if you're a girl. I don't care if you're young. I don't care if you're old. I don't care if you're rich. I don't care if you're poor. You don't trouble the master as a person. He's not troubled by who you are. That doesn't bother him. He's not a respecter of person. I remember um, in prayer class when I was at Golden State for a semester, Golden State Baptist College, we had uh, Pastor Tim Rule, great man of God, and teaching that class And every now and then, he'd say something along the lines of, I don't belong here. I don't belong here. You say, why would he say that? He grew up in a drunkard's home. He watched his mother be beat. He knew what it was like to grow up and and to face things himself. He knew what it was like to have his mother murdered in broad daylight. He knew what it was like to have his stepfather commit suicide. He understood those things. And he was saying, you know what, as a person... I don't belong here, but by the grace of God, I am here today. Let me tell you something, friend. You know what? You're right. I don't deserve to go to the master either. You're right. I don't deserve to have access to his throne. You're right. I don't deserve the grace of God, but that's why it's called grace. And can I just tell you this? You may be going through a troubling time, and you may say, well, I can't take this to God because of all the things I've done. Take it to him anyway because you don't trouble him. He's not bothered by who you are. You don't trouble him. The man did not trouble the master. Can I let you know, number two, the desire of the man did not trouble the master. The desire of the man did not trouble the master. You say, what do you mean? Let's be honest. Jairus did not go to Jesus to give him a sack of money. Jairus didn't go to Jesus and say, what can I do to be a blessing to you today? Jairus didn't go to him and say, hey, I would like for you to have dinner at my house. Jairus went to Jesus because he needed something from God. Jairus said, I have a need of you. I need something in my life. Can I just tell you this? God cares about your needs. That's why the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God's going to supply the need. God knows your needs, and your needs don't trouble him. But can I just go a step further? Not only do your needs not trouble him, but your desires don't trouble him as well. God cares about what you want. You say, well, no, no, no. We're just supposed to pray for our needs. We're not supposed to pray for our desires. That's not true. Hogwash. Who told you that? You didn't get that from the Bible. Psalm 145, verse 16 says, Thou openest thine hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing. The desire. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the what? The desires of thine heart. God cares about your desires. God cares. God cares about your desires. God cares about what you want. My wife, just a a while ago, this would have been about uh, two years ago probably, and but I wrote this story down, part of you know developing your story we talked about last episode, and uh, but I wrote this blessing down. My wife, um, she was just wanting. It was not a need. It was not anything in particular, but she wanted this hair product called dry shampoo. I have no clue what it is, but I just know that's what she wanted. She just wanted. She just had a desire for some dry shampoo. She told me that that afternoon naturally as her husband, what was I going to do? I was going to go out and buy her some at some point, but that was Wednesday afternoon. We had church that night. We walk into church. She has not told anybody about it except for me. A lady in our church walks up to her, hands her a bag of some toiletry goods, and what do you know is in that bag some dry shampoo. The only person my wife had told besides me that she'd like some shampoo is she said, you know, God, I'd really like some dry shampoo. And what do you know? Can I just tell you, God cared about her desire. God cares about your desire, too. And you may be sitting there saying, well, I'm going through this troubling time or I'm going through this and I would really like for God to do this, but I just can't ask him because my desires, well, you know, that God doesn't want to know my desires or God doesn't care about my desires or that may get God upset that I bring my, no, can I just tell you this? Your desires do not trouble God. He's not like, wow, how dare you ask me for that? How dare you? How dare you ask me for something you want? Um, Isn't it God who said, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication let your requests be made known unto God? Whatsoever ye desire when ye pray... Believe that ye receive it and ye shall have it. God cares about your desires. Can I just tell you, you may have a desire in your life and you may have a big desire in your life. They don't trouble God, so take it to God. It doesn't trouble him. It doesn't bother him. It's not going to get him upset. It's not going to make him worry. Oh my, what am I going to do? God's not going to worry about it. Your desires don't trouble him. Can I tell you next, number three? The cry of the man didn't trouble the master. Verse 41 of that passage, can I remind you? And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was the ruler of the synagogue, and fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. We read it, you know, sometimes with no emotion. But I can see Jairus. Can you see the bags under his eyes from no sleep? Can you see just a darkness about his eyes? He hasn't had sleep. Can you see just the redness around his eyes from the tears he's been crying? Can you see a feebleness in his body because he just hasn't been able to eat? A trembling of the hand as he approaches Jesus, weary and broken, and he finally gets to the man who he knows can help him if he only will. And can you see him? The Bible says that he falls at his feet. Sometimes we think about, you know, just kneeling down. No. I think Jairus just fell at his feet and grabbed a hold and began to weep and said, I've got to have you. I've got to have you come to my home. Please say you will. Please say you'll come to my home. Please say you'll hear my daughter. Can I tell you this? That didn't trouble the master. That didn't bother Jesus. That didn't make him, oh my, why is he touching my feet? Oh, get off of me. That didn't trouble the master. Jairus's sorrow didn't trouble God. God cared about his sorrow. Can I just tell you this? There's no better shoulder to cry on than the shoulder of God. There is no better shoulder to cry on than the shoulder of God. There is no one better to console you than God, who, by the way, the Bible says has already been there. He's already done that. There's an old poem that reminds us of that truth that God has already been there. It says, the road is too rough, I said. Dear Lord, there are stones that hurt me so. And he said, dear child, I understand. I walked it long ago. But there's a cool green path, I said. Let me walk there for a time. No, child, he gently answered me. The green path does not climb. My burden, I said, is far too great. How can I bear it so? My child, he said, I remember the way I carried my cross, you know. But I said, I wish there were friends with me. Who who would make my way their own? Oh yes, he said, Gethsemane was hard to bear alone. And so I climbed the stony path, content at last to know that where my master had not gone, I would not need to go. Strangely then I found new friends, the burden grew less sore, and I remember long ago he went that way before. Friend, I don't know what trouble you're facing. God has been there before. He knows your sorrow. When you come to him, you're not troubling him. Don't ever get in your head that you're a bother. You're not a bother to God. You don't bother him. He knows. He understands. Can I just tell you this as well? The Bible says that he wants to bear your burdens. Give them over to him. He'll take them all from you. He'll carry them. Your your cry, your sorrow, the trouble you are facing, It does not bother God. You are not troubling him, my friend. Your situation does not trouble him. He's been there before. Give your burdens to him. Isaiah 41, verse number 10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Verse 13 says, For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto, me, unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. God's here to help you, friend. He knows your sorrow. You're not troubling him. Don't be afraid to cry to God. Don't be afraid to get out on your knees sometime and just weep and let it all loose before the Lord. It doesn't trouble him. I find next that the situation, the situation of the man did not trouble him. This situation wasn't too difficult for God. It wasn't too hard. It wasn't something that he could not handle. The situation was under control. Can I just tell you, there is no situation that God does not care about. People sometimes say, well, God doesn't care about sports. You're right. He doesn't care about the final score. He cares about the people playing, though cares about the people playing. There is no situation where God does not care. God cares about your situation. God cares about what you're going through. There is no situation, my friend, too big for God. There is no situation too small for God. And sometimes I think as Christians, we can do an okay time with taking the big things to God. We've got somebody who's sick and dying, and we'll pray. We'll get prayer requests. We'll we'll get down on our knees. But sometimes we don't take the small things to God. They, uh, well, I don't want to bother him. Well, you know, I kind of forgot to take it to God. It's kind of small. Well, you know, I think I can handle it. Can I just remind you, Peter thought he could handle it too. But then he got his eyes on the winds and the waves, and he started to sink. There was only one person who could help him, and that was God. But can I just remind you, the situation was in God's control the entire time. The entire time. Number five, I find the servants of this man... They didn't trouble the master. Yeah, these servants, they brought a depressing report, a truthful report that his daughter did die, but a depressing one at that saying, don't trouble the master. Can I tell you this? Jesus knew what the report was. He knew how he was going to answer the report. He already knew the outcome. The servants, the the unbelieving, the faithless crowd, they didn't bother the master. Can I just tell you something? You're going to have people, when you're going through troubling time, and they're going to come alongside you, they're not going to put their arm around your your shoulder. Emotionally, they're going to make it more difficult on you. Well, you know, it's probably not going to go well from here. Well, I don't see a way out of this. Well, your last hope is prayer. Man, that doesn't help. They're the unbelieving, they're the faithless crowd. But can I just tell you this? That crowd doesn't trouble God. Be careful that you don't let the people who don't have faith talk you out of getting God and giving him your problems. Well, you know, you're going through such a difficult time. If you'd go talk to this banker over here, I think he could solve your problem. So we trust in a bank and a credit card instead of God. Give God your problem. Can I just tell you this? The devil will come along, and he'll try and convince you that God can't do it. He'll try to convince you it can't be done. He'll try to convince you God doesn't care. He'll try to make you feel like it's not worth it. Just give up already. But you know what? That doesn't trouble God. He knows opposition's going to come. He knows the the faithless crowd is going to speak their mind. He knows all that, but it doesn't trouble him, so take it to God anyway. Don't let them influence you. Take it to God anyway. I tell you what, I've got things on my prayer list that I've been praying for years about, and the devil will fight those things. The devil will sometimes say, God isn't going to answer that. Just take it off already. Just quit already. I'm not going to quit because here's why. The devil coming to me doesn't trouble God. God knows the devil is going to try and trip me up. So just keep staying faithful and stay faithful to bring it to God. Can I tell you next, number number six, the fear of the man did not trouble God. God wants you to give him your fears. Why else would Jesus say, hey, Jairus, fear not? Psalm 56 verse 3 says, what time I am afraid I will trust in thee. There is nothing wrong with going to God and saying, God, I need you. I'm afraid. I need you. I have a fear in my life. I don't know if I can do that. I can't do this on my own. God, I've gotten to have you. I'm afraid right now. Please help me. And God will come because your fear does not trouble the master. Now, it would trouble the master if you let your fear overtake your faith and quit being obedient because you let your fear get in the way. But coming to God saying, God, I'm afraid. I really need you. That does not trouble the master friend i don't know what you're going through but i can tell you there's some things that god wants in every single situation of trouble number 1 he wants you number 2 he wants your desires number 3 he wants your sorrow number 4 he wants your situation number 5 he wants your response and number 6 he wants your fears all the things we just talked about talked about he wants you to give those to him give them to god and He can take care of them. Can I just tell you today, as I said, I don't know what troubling time you're going through, but I'll tell you this, whatever it is, take it to God because you are not troubling the Master. You're not troubling the Master. My friend, take it to God. As you do, Keep looking up, and keep stirred up for the cause of Christ.